Hello and welcome to the Try Talking Sport podcast hosted by me, Joanne Murphy. Whether you are an athlete, adventurer, endurance enthusiast or simply have an interest in sport, you have come to the right place for inspiration, encouragement, motivation and as always, plenty of entertainment. Well, I've escaped to the sun this week to the Costa del Sol with my mum and sister, our first trip of 2023. I have to admit I'm taking full advantage of a quiet month in January and some off-season cheap flights to Spain to enjoy some downtime before my announcing adventures kick off next month. Thankfully, there is another very busy year ahead and I'm excited to get going again, but I have enjoyed the past few weeks at home. I've also booked a trip to Lanzarote in March, so I'm really getting back into the swing of training again. Another bonus to being home for an extended period. I'm focused for the next few weeks on getting my swim, bike and run back up to a semi-decent level so I can enjoy and embrace the island and some solid training in Lanzarote with Oliver Harkin on his primed coaching camp at Sands Beach. Although my bike fitness will be nowhere near where it was last year, I am looking forward to some decent spins, some more exploring on the island and of course lots of coffee and cake. Although don't tell Oliver that. If you want to find out more about Oliver's camps in Lanzarote and Majorca, go to www.primedcoaching.com. Whilst I haven't been travelling for work the last few weeks, it has been busy behind the scenes, catching up on bits from 2022 as well as planning for the year ahead. There's lots of exciting things in the pipeline for Try Talking Sports, so be sure to keep in touch with us on the socials and check out the website www.trytalkingsport.com. I've also been getting some podcast interviews done. I'm very organised this year and I'm looking forward to releasing the upcoming episodes. I can't believe this episode is number 99 of the podcast. Where has the time gone since May 2019 and the first episode of the show? Speaking about catching up on bits from 2022, we announced the winners of the prizes from our December Fitness Challenge recently. Congratulations to everyone who took part in the challenge. Almost 400 people signed up and over 90% of those completed the challenge, which really was fantastic. Huge thanks to everyone who provided prizes for it too. Be sure to check out the full list of winners and our prizes on the Try Talking Sport website. I was delighted to be a guest on the High Performance Human podcast with Simon Ward at the end of last month, sharing stories from my journey in sport as well as highlights and memorable moments on the microphone over the past number of years. Be sure to check it out on your favourite podcast platform. It was lots of fun being on the other side of the microphone for a change. As we gallop into a new month, yes, it really is nearly the end of January, be sure to check out some of the events listed on the Try Talking Sport website. From triathlon, duathlon, running, cycling and a host of ultra-endurance events to choose from, there are plenty of events and races to keep you moving and motivated over the coming weeks and months. For those of you who are members of a triathlon club in Ireland, be sure to claim your club's free, yes, free race entry for the Saturday at Loch Coutre Castle Triathlon on May 27th. Find out more on the Loch Coutre Triathlon Facebook page and claim your club's free race entry by midnight on January 31st. Before we get into this week's episode, finally a shout out to our partners, Nuasan. Be sure to check them out on www.nuasan.com and use the code TTS15 to get 15% off a range of their products online. From body wash to moisturizer, foot spray to my favorite CBD muscle gel, they are a must have for the busy endurance athletes training bag. This week, I chat with Ellen Vitting, the Kerry native, who in recent years has embraced and excelled in the world of ultra endurance sport. From her early interest in rowing to running and triathlon, she is now an avid and successful adventure racer, mountain and ultra endurance runner. 
Winner of the 2022 Seven Sisters Skyline in Donegal, covering 55 kilometres and 4,000 metres of climbing in a time of 8 hours, 37 minutes and 20 seconds, she won the race with a 36-minute gap over her nearest rival. She was also the winner of the 200km Kerryway Ultra and was also one of only three participants out of 28 in the fourth season of RTE's Ultimate Hell Week who passed the gruelling week-long test of mental and physical endurance. In addition to a successful year in 2022, she won the National Adventure Race Series in 2021 and in 2018 she was the Triathlon Ireland National Series winner. The mum of two now back home in Kerry after a decade of living in Meath lives in the foothills of the Kerry Way, the perfect training ground for the athlete who loves to push the boundaries of her comfort zone and relishes the opportunity to compete at the best of her ability. At the time the podcast was being recorded, the Art O'Neill Challenge was on the horizon. Ellen went on to win the 2023 edition of the arduous running and hiking challenge, defending her 2022 title in style and kickstarting her season this year on the top of the podium. With an appetite for adventure and success in both sport and in life, a steely determination and her self-confessed stubbornness, I expect we will see many more podiums and wins for Ellen Vitting in the future. Now, go grab a cuppa and enjoy the show. Ellen Vitting, welcome to the Try Talking Sport podcast. How are you? Hi, John. Good. Thank you. I feel like we've been trying to schedule this call for months. When was the end of Ultimate Hell Week? Because I think it was like a week or two after that I contacted you. Oh, that was the summer. That's several months ago. <laughs> or maybe it was after the Kerry Ultra. Probably September or October. Yeah, so long time anyway. <laughs> You've been on my radar for so long, so I'm delighted to finally um, get you on the show. So, Ellen, lots of people will know who you are. Um, one of 28 contestants on the fourth series of Ultimate Hell Week, and you were one of three winners. I guess is the way to describe how they they do it. You passed the test. But Ultimate Hell Week isn't where it all started. So maybe share with us a little bit about your background in sport and how it all got started. Yeah, so it's a bit bit mixed, actually. The first sport I got into was rowing, which um, most people don't know because I never kind of did it at a high level or anything. Um, So I rowed for Temple No Rowing Club. Um, I started when I was 18 and then when I went off to college, I rode a bit with UCC, but never really um, a serious because I was always going home the weekend. I was never really into sports until um, I did Erasmus in my third year of college and I took up running and um, I kind of, it, it took me you now several months to kind of get into it. I was walk running at the start, but I came back after my 10 months in Spain um, and I was an avid runner and um, someone mentioned um Back home, I was running, I started running with a few people and they mentioned that there was a triathlon on in Khmer um, in September and um, would I not think about doing it? Now, I didn't even know what a triathlon was. So I was like, what do I have to do for a triathlon? And they were like, well, you, you swim and um, you, you cycle and then you run. And I was like, oh, I can do all those. So I was like, my swimming wasn't great now. Um, I was kind of more of a leisure swimmer, not a, you know, competitive swimmer. But um I said I'd cycle the route, see if I, I could do it. Um, and then I, I got an entry from someone, a friend that couldn't do it. And um, so that was my first triathlon, the Lost Sheep, back in... You did your three. first triathlon? Yeah, I, see, I didn't know what the options were. <laughs> just, this one was just on my doorstep and, you know, everyone was talking about it. It was happening in a few weeks. So I was like, yeah, I'll try it. Like Because I was running for... I was training for my first marathon. So I was like, the mileage to me seemed grand and I cycled the route I was like yeah I survived that so then I was like oh the swimming be all right you know like I'll, I'll get you that in the day so that was my first triathlon so I went into the deep end 
most people do like a pool try a try like the Joey Hannah. I know, but I'd never heard of a triathlon. So <laughs> it was all the same to me. It was just, you know, Obviously. I knew a few people doing it. So I, you know, I was kind of like, well, if you can do it, you know, surely it's not impossible. <laughs> you obviously must have enjoyed it. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Didn't know what I was. I was one of those people that got changed in transition and everything. I'd say I was, you know, thinking back now. <laughs> this is quite embarrassing. But um, but yeah, I got to and I loved it. And then I, I kind of did one or two triathlons every year um, until I kind of really got into it. But that was, I suppose, the first time I was very competitive about a sport. Then the years after that, I got really into triathlon. Um, so that was kind of, I suppose, my, my first real sport. And that kind of I suppose I was running at the same time so I was doing running races and then as the years went on I was kind of looking for other things to do and that's how I got into adventure racing then I got into kind of trail running mountain running and now now it's kind of gotten more into the ultra running scene I suppose I think it's just the way it evolved or the ultra mountain running scene more so than mountain running or the ultra running because you've managed to put both together the mountains and the adventures and the ultra together into yeah. one event if, if possible <laughs> I try to do all of it but um it's a it's a lot and I think my problem is I, I just love sport and every time I I find a new one or a new type of event like I've never gone oh that's not for me it's like <laughs> everything I like so um there's, there's probably too much triathlon has taken a back, back seat the last few years just because the the ultras take up a lot of time and the adventure racing as well so they've kind of been dominating the last few years and especially during COVID because there was no racing I think I got really into kind of mountain running and trail running it was just like that was my escape and I wasn't ever tapering for anything because there was no races on so I think I got more into the the longer stuff then. What was the progression then so because you were national series uh, champion in 2018 in triathlon and then I guess we had like you know two years or a year and a bit because that was probably the end of the year in 2018 so we had nearly a whole year of maybe racing and stuff and then it was COVID so had you stuck to triathlon in 2019 or did you kind of veer off into adventure and mountain running at that point or even longer distance running? Yeah so I'd already I suppose I had my daughter in 2017 I suppose before she came along I had started to get into the longer distance stuff the adventure racing and and things like that and I was, I was, you know, I was kind of going, okay, I'll do a bit more of the adventure racing and the long stuff. But then Zara came along and I said, you know, I just don't have the time. Plus, I don't have the endurance after the last year kind of built up. So I said, I'll focus entirely on triathlon in 2018 um, and maybe do one or two adventure races when the season's over, that kind of way. But like, so they, they don't interfere because they don't, they don't really complement each other because the adventure races are like more like five hours, whereas, you know, you're doing your sprint race in just over an hour. Um, so they're very different type events so I think it kind of suited that in 2018 I was getting back to like speed work and just short distance and it was kind of entirely triathlon until the end of the season then I did a couple of um, adventure races and then 2019 I said okay now I'll, I'll try and build and do more of the longer stuff so I kind of had uh, kind of longer triathlons on on the radar and then adventure racing really and then I also got into the ultra running in 2019 um, and I think I did my first I did the Morris Mullins just to see if I could do an ultra that was 50k um, but I did it with friends very social chatting it wasn't you know it wasn't a race feel about it um, and then I did an ultra in the Azores um, which is the middle of the Atlantic my my uh, parents have a house on the Azores um, they're they're big fans of the islands there so um, 
I went over there and did an ultra in 2019. So that was kind of the first introduction to that kind of ultra running, mountain running scene. Um, and that's what I wanted to kind of build on. But then COVID happened. So I suppose I did build on it, but I, I wasn't racing because <laughs> there was nothing going on. After COVID, you moved from Treyman County Meath back home to, to Kerry. You're now based uh, just outside Henmare. And yeah. Has the move home kind of, I suppose, being surrounded by the natural beauty of Kenmare and the landscape and everything, has that fueled maybe the interest to go higher and longer and, and so built on that, that um, ultra mountain running interest? Yeah, I suppose it's very accessible here. Like I, I live practically on the Kerryway, it's like two kilometres away and I can join the Kerryway Trail and, and do sections of our there's mountains, which I suppose... They're not as groomed as down in Wicklow. It's it's very open mountain when you go mountain uh, running here. There's not so many um, good trails. Um, so it's here on my doorstep now. So I suppose the interest was always there, but now I can, you know, really kind of fuel that fire. <laughs> so um, I suppose it does. Yeah, like it, it, it has it has made it more of a kind of forefront that the, the mountain running because it's just so accessible for me now. And you had a great season in 2022. You were the winner of the 55k Seven Sisters Skyline in Donegal. You did the 200k Kerryway Ultra. And then you also went to Mont Blanc Ultra I as did. well. And that was it was it was a bit unfortunate the way it happened. Um so I signed up to the Kerryway Ultra at the end of 2021 um, because it was selling out. And I said, okay, I better get my name down. But I already had entered my name for the lottery for UTMB thinking there's no way I'll get picked out for that. Um, I knew the two dates were very close together. So I was like, you know, one or the other. Um, then I got picked out for the UTMB, the CCC race, which is the 100 kilometer race. Um, I said, God, you know, it's so hard to get picked out for that. I can't, I can't turn it down. So I said, I'd do that. That was the week before the Kerryway Ultra. So I said, do you know what? I'll cancel the Kerryway Ultra. But then as time went on, I didn't cancel it and I didn't cancel it. Um, I went off to do UTMB and, uh, you know, loved the whole event and didn't feel terrible after, to be honest. And I was kind of like, oh, maybe I'll be all right for next Friday. Um, so I ended up lining up for the Kerryway Ultra, kind of thinking, OK, I could bonk in a few hours or it could be grand. I actually, do you know, I ran probably the first 10 hours and absolutely loved it. It was going into the night then where, you know, the wheels came off a bit. But at that stage, I was kind of far enough gone. I think there's no way I was going to give up at that stage. But it was it was tough. The recovery was tough after the Kerryway Ultra. I think the two events were too close together. And I was I was plagued with a bit of tendonitis for a good few months after. So it's not ideal doing two big events a week apart. You say that you, the wheels came off around 10 hours in. So how long did it take you to actually do the long Kerryway Ultra? I think it was, well, maybe it was actually later. I'm, I'm trying to do my maths here. Probably wasn't actually until around 20 hours now that I think it was 27 hours it took me to do it. And it was kind of after midnight. So we started at 6 a.m. after midnight. The following morning was the, the really tough bit. And Ellen, how do you go from doing 55k for the seven sisters skyline i know there was four thousand meters of climbing in that race and you finished that in just over eight and a half hours how do you go from doing that race and then preparing for the 200k never mind the fact that you put the utmb race in the middle but you're you're on the go for 27 hours in the 200k like how do you even fathom what that's going to be like or how do you prepare for it 
I think I think I don't overthink things, which I don't know. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's it's not great because I don't prepare that great. I don't. I I didn't stress or dissect the Kerry Way Ultra and go, oh my god, this is going to be X Y Z, and like I knew I was going to be going through the night, but I I kind of didn't think past the logistics of that it's going to be a long race. Um, I didn't get worked up about it. I I think also because I just done the race the week before. I was kind of you know this will be what it'll be. I'll give it my best. Um, a, a lot of it also is like a lot of that ultra, ultra running because you're not going to train doing 24 hours unless you have massive amounts of time and um, for recovery and everything in between. Your training is never going to be the same as the race. Like it it has to kind of be the head as well. Like you have to just mentally be prepared for it, I suppose. So then my question is, how do you mentally prepare for that I mean eight and a half hours it's long but it's not that long it's a different intensity though like the Kerryway Ultra I think you can break it you can break it down and you know you're like you're never going to be really pushing it to breaking point like the eight hour race there was you know you are racing like I know the Kerryway Ultra it's a race as well but it doesn't feel as such a race you really are just you know kind of it's, it's probably a bit more kind of planning and just being clever um in those kind of races as well and not getting carried away you know we had uh, ian keith on the podcast there um last year and his stories about his preparation and his training and what happens out on the course and everything some of the decisions you have to make whilst you're racing an ultra of that nature are insane yeah he's he's a different level now (laughs) carry my ultra is the furthest i've done um he's done you know massive races where I, I think the kind of sleep deprivation and the hallucinations and stuff are probably a lot worse. Like I did get to the point where I was kind of seeing the bushes move and things like that, but it it didn't get it didn't get that bad. Um, it was only one night's sleep at the end of the day that I missed, but he's probably done races where you know you're barely sleeping for three days, so that's that's another different level. <laughs> Is it difficult to stop the chatter in the back of your head? Because that's one of the things that Gavin Hennigan used to talk about with us as well was, you know, you'd have the negative aspect in your head saying to you, oh, you need to stop now or you're not going to win or you're falling off the pace or you haven't eaten enough. You're going to bonk. Like, how do you get over that mental hurdle when you're in the middle of the Kerry Way very far from home with still, you know, maybe 25, 35 kilometers to go and an amount of climbing? I don't know. I think I think I kind of I I'm quite good at breaking races into chunks. Like so, I say when I started suffering for the Kerryway Ultra, I was kind of on familiar trails at that stage. I was near Khmer, so I was near home. So it's I, I'm quite good at I suppose talking to myself in my head uh, and kind of quieting those voices. Like, like you do get that where you're kind of like, what are you doing? Like your home's only like up the road there. Would you not just stop? But do you know, I, I think if you really want to do something, um, I'm I'm quite a focused person and, and quite stubborn. Like it it would take a lot for me to to say, um, OK, I'm, I'm gone out of this, you know. What about the fueling then, Ellen, you know, in terms of making sure that you have prepared enough to be able to take on all the fuel and the food that you need to consume over the 27 hours? You know, how did you prepare for that aspect of the race? So we would have done recce's of the Kerry Way, which probably would have been like five, six hours. And like, it's just, I suppose, practicing eating during those and always taking your fuel and backpack with you and kind of, you know, I suppose, training with the same kit and, and the same, I suppose, thought as if you're out there for the day. So like fueling properly and 
continuously nibbling at things. I must say, like nutrition is probably the one area I I haven't kind of hit the nail on the head yet. You know, I, I sometimes it's it's grand. Other races, it just doesn't it doesn't go right, and I do find it really hard to eat at night. I just um, or even drink like it's just. Um, the system just doesn't seem to want to take anything in when you get to a certain point so you do kind of have to eat stuff even though it tastes horrible and you don't want it um even doing the drop packs for the Kerry Way Ultra I just put tiny bits of a few things in because you've no idea what you're going to feel like you know I had stuff like rice pudding and banana bread and um I got so sick of it like at the end I was just I don't even know. I like. Do you know what I actually would have loved is something like maybe a pot noodle or something like that. Um, I had one of them in in Waterville, but um, I kind of ate it like half crunchy. wasn't really proper pot noodle, kind of half raw. But um, it was still it was nicer than all that kind of I don't know carbs that the normal bready kind of stuff. It's just you nearly want to shop on standby to actually pick exactly what you want. It's very hard to plan what you're going to feel like. But I think with ultras, the main thing is just that you, you do take something in because like you are going to bonk if you don't, um, even if you don't feel like it. So it's just forcing yourself to, to be disciplined enough to, to eat and drink when you we are meant to drink. And did you enjoy the Kerry Ultra Way? I must say I actually loved it. I I, I loved it up to up to that point where it kind of hit midnight, early hours of the morning and just um, also my kind of feet were getting very sore. The tendonitis had kind of kicked off, I think. Um, so every step was just really painful. And then it was just the fact that I didn't feel like eating or drinking and started feeling really queasy. It just it just made it hard. So the last few hours, like I can't say they were enjoyable, but I kind of knew I was on the home stretch. But I did I did really enjoy probably up to that point I really enjoyed the whole course and it's it's a great course and it's it's lovely and kind of local and friendly and it's it was the polar opposite to UTMB to be honest but it, they're, they're both great in their own in their own way but um totally different events both have something special yeah you mentioned there about the recovery so you know after doing something like a 200k and being on the go for 27 hours you have two young kids and a husband uh, that need to be um entertained <laughs> after a 200k race but how did you recover from it um well initially when i finished the race i i made the mistake of driving myself to the start of the race and thinking i'd be grand to drive home so <laughs> um so and i was still kind of buzzing when i finished and um i wasn't too bad i jumped in the car in killarney and i made as far as ladies view and i had to pull over like tourists were all there sightseeing i just pulled over uh in the car park there and i like passed out for an hour or two before i could drive on i just I couldn't drive. I was there going wide and I get someone to drop me. But <laughs> I thought, you know, you, you forget just how tired you're going to be after something like that. Um, and I got home then and I must say, like, I've never, ever felt as broken as I did, like, coming home that day. And just, I just wanted to go to bed and die, to be honest. <laughs> but, but, you know, it's it's amazing what a few hours sleep and a bit of proper food does, like, you know. Um, I'm sure I was up a few hours later because the kids were around the house. So, but has to be done <laughs> did you crave anything in particular after the race like you know, I actually I got a roll on the on the way home which probably I should have just driven straight home rather than stop but I stopped in the petrol station got a proper coffee and well a petrol station coffee is as good as it got at that hour but um and I got a sausage roll and that that was kind of what I was craving at the time something you know proper warm and yeah unhealthy <laughs> 
I was waiting for you to say something like a Supermax or a McDonald's or something like that on the No, way. I don't think they were open at that hour. <laughs> it was like 6 or 7 a.m., I think, whatever time we finished. Oh, Lord. And you mentioned the kids there. So there's Aaron and Zara. They're, are they 10 yeah. and 4 now? 10 and 5. Yeah. And then five. Yeah, she started school the, uh, last year, I suppose. Now she's in yeah. junior infants. And, and we chatted briefly before we we started recording, and you mentioned that you work across a couple of different time zones with people on your team, and that you're you know on calls an awful lot, and the working hours are quite long. So, how do you get the balance right between the work, family, and the training? Because I imagine that the training is is. Um, yeah, it's, it can be hard. And I, I don't know, do I have the right balance? I suppose I'm, there's certain things like, I suppose, in my week that I have to do. And there's kids activities and there's work. And then I have to just be very flexible around that when I do my training. And whether that means getting up earlier before everything else kicks off or um, I suppose the beauty of working from home and not going back into an office is I, I can squeeze in a, a run or a gym session. Um, at lunch and you know come back to my desk and not have to you know worry about getting changed and all that um so it's it's easier that way to working from home but like it is a busy day and like the winters are tough now because the weather's so bad especially last few weeks and dark in the evening so there's very little you can do I did invest in a turbo trainer this week this week this year because I just said it's just so hard getting on the bike and the weather has been horrendous and it's like I work all daylight hours so <laughs> it's nearly impossible getting anything done on the bike great great option to have have you signed up to Zwift yet I have I'm on Swift. I have no idea how to use it and I did I've done two races and in the first one I absolutely killed myself and I got beaten like at the last at the line by someone that had like 40 watts less than me and I was like like how is that possible I just I don't get the the whole drafting and the whole I suppose how to race clever on Swift <laughs> it's quite irritating when you don't know how that works we'll have, we'll have a chat off here about Zwift we'll yeah. that we have because we're always recruiting for female riders on Zwift and um, because that was one of our saviors during Covid was actually getting on Zwift and there's a fabulous community of females here in Ireland who are racing on Zwift every every Tuesday night. Oh, very good. Yeah, no, I must get into it because I just I just, I just don't understand how it works. I can just about log on and go. Yeah, um, but I'm finding stuff on it, so it is it is great to to kind of you know you you wouldn't like sweat like that if you just go out in the cycle. It's nothing like it. And I want to come back to you mentioning that you managed to squeeze in a run. Now, when I think about squeezing in a run, I'm thinking about like a 5K at lunchtime. Are you going off running like a half marathon at lunchtime? No, max max 10K. So I, I can't go long. My long stuff is kind of reserved for the weekends. Um, so at the weekends, I do try and plan something like either either something slightly away from here that's, you know, up a mountain or something or just from the doorstep if I'm caught for time um normally you would like you'd get two or three hours in the weekend even with the kids activities you know um once you're you know willing to get up at 7 a.m or something to be back in time for or 6 a.m or whatever time it is um so I do like I, I suppose you do have to be willing to be flexible and get up at unnatural hours I did that a lot now as well when we were mountain running and living in trim like we would get up at 4 a.m to drive to the morns or Wicklow and like that's the only way really to do it otherwise you're disrupting your whole day 
especially when you had to drive um like you know you even at that we wouldn't be back till one or two o'clock you know so I wouldn't feel right taking more of the day you know so and do you sleep well at night like how good is your sleep at night and things like that I imagine when you've got so much going on it can be really hard to just switch off um I don't know I sleep quite well to be honest um once, once the kids are in bed my, my kids are both great sleepers um once they're in bed it's hard to get them into bed but they, they sleep great through the night and they sleep in in the mornings um so they're grand if you want to have a lion or anything like that but I do it's the one thing I do kind of keep an eye on because I just I don't get much recovery normally during the week or during a, a normal kind of training week I'm, I'm quite bad for taking recovery so the one thing I do make sure I get is is seven to eight hours sleep like the exception would be where I get less than that but I, I do try and make sure I get that. Um, looking back a little bit before you got into like the long the ultra kind of mountain running stuff you excelled at adventure racing as well you were the 2021 Irish adventure racing champion where where is that now are you still doing a little bit of adventure racing or planning to do so in 2023? Yes, I don't know what I do the series because it is quite a commitment. It's five races and realistically you probably need to do six in case something, you know, you get a puncture or something goes wrong where you're sick for one of the races. So that is quite a lot because they are, you know, I suppose quite long races as well. So it's quite a commitment to, to squeeze in. Um, I am quite lucky there is Quest Camara and Quest Killarney, which are very local to me. Um, and then the Skibarina adventure race as well is, is you can drive down in the morning, you know, so there's not so much planning around it. So I will I will definitely do the local ones because, you know, if I'm home, I might as well. Um, <laughs> the way I look at it. Um, the, the other thing is, I suppose those races are kind of early and, and late season. Um, I am still kind of planning 2023. I don't really have any big plans and um there's things I want to do that are on the to-do list but I just don't know if this year is feasible so we'll we'll have to see I, um I'll get back into a bit of triathlon as well that's the plan for this year so I have joined triathlon Ireland and I'll probably have to keep them fairly local as well just it's it's hard to book stuff that's not local and then you know my young lad plays soccer and football now and there's always matches the weekend so it's it's kind of hard to know what's going to be happening the weekends but the chances are I have to share them <laughs> so well you have you have lots of events down there with the uh, hard man and all yeah events, of course all the quest events as well so there's plenty of um plenty of choice yeah so that's it so the two of them will probably keep me busy and then like there is some good mountain races Imra races as well that um I'll look at um there is like a few I would love to go international again because like some of the international events I've done, they're amazing. And like, I suppose it's it's different kind of scenery, a different country. Like it's brilliant experience. Like like probably the, the, the ultra I did in the Azores and UTMB, like they're very memorable, you know, races. And like, I'd love something like that. It takes a bit of planning, but like, it's so worth it. Um, I had my eye on doing Transalpine. There's, I think that's what it's called, uh, race. Um, but that's like seven eight days so I don't know it's a hard sell at home <laughs> so, you might hide your passport on you or something I know so I, I was looking at that and a few others but um and you can't really make it a family holiday when you're going to be gone for eight days no I could suggest but really it's kind of like come along and babysit my kids or <laughs> mind your kids while I go off running so yeah it's hard you're coming back to triathlon is is Ironman in your future again I, I don't know now. I might have done the triathlon a bit too early. I kind of did 
lost sheep and then I probably did one or two triathlons and then I did an Ironman. So it kind of, I was only 21, 22. So it probably put me off to some extent because I didn't really train for it and I hated it. <laughs> so um, it's kind of put me off Ironman a bit. Um, it's the other thing is seven hour race. And Iron I know, Man, you know, it's the like, running after the bike. It's just like I can't run off the bike. I find it so hard. Um, I don't mind it like a duathlon when you know the suffering is short, but uh, I don't know. I, I, there's, a it was, hilly, there's a few hilly races like Lanzarote or even close. You could definitely do the family holiday. They don't like heat either. So. <laughs> you could do the family holiday in Lanzarote. Then maybe Wales, maybe then, you know, so get the ferry. Wales, Wales has been on my kind of radar. Yeah. So that's potentially would be but um it's it's the long bike as well that puts me off I actually I love the bike section of a triathlon and adventure races but I don't like training long bikes and it's also takes up a lot of time training on the bike so ah sure now you have your turbo and you're going to be on you're going to be doing 400 I still still haven't managed over an hour I'm just like after an hour on the turbo I'm like here I don't know how people sit in that three four hours it's just unnatural I'm going to check in with you on the 11th of January 2024 um, and probably stalk you on Zwift now and see spin will have been over the 12 months. Um, I guess a lot of it comes down to mental ability as well, not just the physical ability to be able to stay on the turbo because you do need to have distractions, either music or Netflix or whatever your choice of of distraction is when you are uh, when you're on the turbo for quite a long time. So speaking of mental discipline and mental ability, talk to me about Ultimate Hell Week. Now I was glued to it. I've been glued to every season of it. It's insane for the viewers to watch. Is it as insane as it shows on TV? Yeah, it's pretty insane. It's it's very intense. Uh, you know, you're seeing an hour of of twenty four hours, I suppose, but. You're, you're under that kind of pressure for 24 hours, really, and there is no kind of timeout. There's no off-camera time or anything like that. So it's it's very full-on, and, and that's probably nearly the hardest part of it. Like, you you have to be so switched on the whole time and so focused and um, so alert to anything that could happen. Um, so that's hard. It's tiring in itself when, you know, you're just on, on, on the edge the whole time and everything you do in there is wrong. Like, you know, you... You'd never get told that you're doing a great job there, you know. So it's it's the exact opposite, I suppose, you know, people cheering you on in a race or, you know, um it, people, you know, your trainer or something in the gym. Um, it's 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 yeah, they're just trying to get in on you the whole time. So I have to ask, what possessed you to sign up to it? <sighs> to be honest, Joanne, like I watched the very it, from the very start since the first series, and like the minute I seen it, I was like, I'd love to try that. And like it's funny, like I'd be watching it, and we we had a chat like a a running club um in in trim when they were when we were all watching it, and they were like, God, I'd hate that. And I was actually sitting there going, God, I'd actually love to do that. Um, I was like, I don't know, it just it's not that I like torture, but um, I do, I I like something that's different and I suppose you're seeing it on TV and it's very hard um like you like you just asked me is it as intense as you know it looks and it's very hard to imagine what it's actually like without being there I kind of felt like the only way to really know what it's like is to go there and to try and do it um part of it was curiosity I suppose part of it was just 
I love doing new things and some of the stuff that they do in there genuinely like I, I actually did enjoy so it wasn't all horrible um it's horrible in like you know you do a triathlon there's points in the race where you go like why am I doing this like it's the same like at, at the end of it like I I can I only have positive memories from it really I don't I'm not traumatized from it or I didn't think like that was like you know that was a horrible time in my life or anything like that. I've only taken positives from it. Like I, I, I thought it was a brilliant experience, you know, and I feel really kind of grateful that I was selected and that I got to take part in it. So, you know, it's, you know, all positive, really. <laughs> did it live up to your expectations? Um, yeah, I think it did. I, th- I think, you know, I had prepared for it to be tough. Um, the only thing I suppose you can't really prepare for is that being on the edge the whole time and the sleeplessness because like you, you just get so little sleep and like you're not really going to train that. Um, but I, I maybe had a bit more experience than some others. You know, I, I had done a bit, I had done a multi-day adventure race. I'd done a bit of uh, ultra running at that stage so that, you know, I, I was a bit bit more used to being sleep deprived than maybe some other people but that that is a hard part of it the sleep deprived and you're cold like you're never comfortable you know there's no like oh let's sit by the fire and you know have a hot cup of tea and get cozy um hot noodles from what i remember and we were eating yeah porridge the pot porridge things and boiled eggs every morning it was just horrible but you just had to eat it i have a vivid memory of there being like this fight that you had to all fight each other you know, oh yeah like, yeah the for me boxing just, and wrestling yeah, the boxing it just seemed completely not unnecessary it just seemed completely like what in the name of god are they doing this for and, <laughs> and what was the rationale behind making you all box each other I think the rationale from from their point of view is actually it's not to see who's the weakest it's to see who can control their aggression so it's probably the strongest the most skilled boxers or martial arts kind of individuals that they're probably looking at to see can they control like the the power they have and the strength they have and and you know fight fairly but not like hurt someone on purpose or like wildly swing around the place um so i think they're looking for that that if they ask you to be aggressive you can still control it i think it's more that now i'm not injured well a lot of people did two of the girls i think uh, broke ribs so like there was a few injuries like that and there always is. Uh, I, I it's obviously a lot harder than to keep going for them because you're doing everything in pain. Like ribs is not yeah. a nice injury to have. And I, I can't remember which one of the girls it was that was standing on, is it the bridge at Mizzen Head? And they were throwing yeah. it off the bridge. And she just said, like, I think in her interview afterwards, she said, well, it's a TV show. They're not going to let me die. I better just jump. Clara, well, she, no, she was terrified of heights. So she found that very tough. And it's, it's like that. That is probably a challenge that, like there was individuals there that do a lot of climbing and kind of mountaineering and and they loved it and they just walked down and they were like this is great now I personally don't like heights it's the one thing I I I wouldn't say I have a fear of heights but I they make me very uncomfortable so I really didn't enjoy that one like it wasn't physically hard or anything it was more of a mental hurdle and and some of them are like it's there's such a mixture some of them are very physical some of them are pure mental you know we have Kate Collins Smith. Yes, in Kate was great. So she's brilliant, but we, we would often be talking to her about it. It's funny how a program like that can just capture the imagination and you can be fascinated by what people are doing and what people are going through. You were one of the three to pass the test. 
yeah yeah I got to the finish oh I think at the end it was just a huge relief you know when 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 it got to the point of the interrogation I suppose I had watched it I kind of knew what was coming I can't I can't say it bothered me the noise and all that and the the positions now were horrible and I was in a lot of pain because I'd cut my finger as well and there was just painkillers that worn off uh that they gave me for when they stitched it um like after that it was just like off you go so that was just um that was really painful the pain distracted a little bit from actually what was going on um but just at the end then I suppose when they said that that I passed it was it was mostly just relief and just uh, I suppose like which might sound funny but gratitude to to the DS is for you know taking us through the course and giving us this this life experience so it was it didn't feel amazing at the time when we were in the freezing freezing um chamber there um but it was it was a great feeling to finish it and to come out of it and you know to to look back at it having been through it and enjoyed it however you enjoyed it I don't know um and and been so successful at it do you think have you missed your calling in life to be an army ranger um I, I don't know because um, if it wasn't for kids and I was a bit younger, I would definitely be looking into it. I'd say yes, I would. De- I, I would love to actually give the real course a go. Um, like that was Ultimate Hell Week is more of a, I suppose, a condensed taster version of what their selection course is like. I'd, I'd love to see if I could have passed the full course. Um, I'm, I'm too far in life now, and I have kids to think about and. I'm not going to take three months of work just to torture myself and then not actually go into that area of work. But um, I, I would have, I think, I think it would have been something. But I suppose you you evolve as you get older. And like, if you'd asked me this when I was 20, I would have said like zero interest, like, you know? So yeah, I did. I I do think it's, it, it would probably suit me the way I am now. It mightn't have suited me when I was in my early 20s. <laughs> But you're a completely different person, I imagine, in terms of your physical abilities, your mental capabilities, your emotional capabilities, having completed all of these fantastic races and done so well at them. You may never have discovered any of this at the age of 20. But now at this age, you've realized that you have a skill and ability, a natural talent for this kind of racing and activity. Yeah, I suppose, especially the mental bit, I suppose you don't find out like um, unless you test yourself where you're where your head's really at in terms of your mental capabilities, you know? Um, so I, I think it, it's probably come from, uh, some of it is natural. Some of it is learned from, I, I suppose, doing that many competitions, races. And I suppose if you put yourself in a position where you're outside your comfort zone a lot, you're going to learn to think of it as your norm, you know? So I like doing new things now, you know, I wouldn't be, afraid to try a new sport or a new event or you know I I, I like to see what things are what things are like an Iron Man in your future but moving yeah. on quickly just on Ultimate Hell Week again what was like the standout moment for you maybe the highlight of the whole week um finishing <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't a highlight that was relief um, I don't know I I suppose the one event I always had my eye on was the 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 long hike, the weighted hike, because it's always in the in the last few series, it was always made out to be the event that knocks the most girls out. That is, you know, hard for women to pass, and that I think there's one girl previously that has that has passed it in the course, and, and you know there was actually 
four or five girls that actually finished the hike, two of us within time um, in that series. So like there was an exceptional, strong kind of women field in um, in, in that season four. So, but that was the event I suppose I really had my eye on. It was probably kind of played to my strengths as well because of the mountain running. Um, I suppose I've never tried to run or hike with that amount of weight. So I, it was a bit of the unknown, but I had... I had trained with 20 kg on my back uh, on quite steep hills. So, uh, you know, I, I kind of felt quite confident, but nervous going into it because it was it was the one that I really wanted to do well in. Was it the one that you were the most afraid of? No, I was probably the one I was most looking forward to, but also most nervous about, if that makes sense. Yeah. I wouldn't say afraid, but it was it was the one I always wanted to do and I wanted to get to that. I definitely didn't want to leave the course before that one because every time we watched it, I was always like, that's the one I'd like to try and do. So it was like a win within a win of a whole of the whole of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then if I could ask you one more question about Ultimate Hell Week, and that is what did you learn from it? Either about yourself or about your ability or I don't know. I I I I went home. I'm back to my normal life in a few days. I I can't say that. I had PTSD or anything. No. No, I actually did. I went home. I slept fine, and like I was back training with the club the following week. Obviously, I couldn't say anything about it, and I was a bit wrecked. But I I, I didn't feel like. Do you know what? I, it probably did help confidence because it it was they really put you to test in a lot, like physically and mentally. And I think to pass it or even to take part in it, like. It it does or should give you confidence in yourself. Like it's you are putting yourself out there as well, especially you know being filmed and everything. Um, which is the one thing that put me off for years. Applying it, just I I hated the idea of it being filmed and being on on screen. I'm not very good with talking or with TV or anything like that. So that was what I dreaded the most. And I must say, it was actually more traumatic watching it back than actually being in it because I just. I was sitting there going, what are they going to show? Because like it's 24 hours, you don't know what they're going to show, how it's going to be edited. Um, no pre-warning any of the weeks, except for week one, we got to see the, the first episode. Um, so yeah, that was tough. But I think it does, it, I think it has like, you know, probably given me some confidence and, and made me, you know, believe in myself a bit more, even, even you know, to be able to maybe take other kind of leaps in life Aaron is 10. Did he watch it? He did. They both watched it. Did, yeah. did he think you yeah. were pretty cool or that you were nuts? Um, Aaron laughed at me most of the time and Zara got bored around halfway through and asked could she have the iPad to watch Peppa Pig. So um, I'm not sure how proud she was of me or anything like that. But um, Aaron did watch the lot and he was, you know, he found it very funny now, but I don't know what he actually thought of it. He's, He's 10 years old, so he didn't he want to run around telling the kids in school, like, oh, my mom's well, on telly, and they all know, it. yeah. Well, he probably told them all the spoilers and everything, so <laughs> I love it. Ellen, if we go back to like when you were really young, did you always have this drive and this focus and this kind of ability to just try and go outside that comfort zone, or is it something that's kind of um happened in recent years? Would you think? I don't know, like, because I wouldn't have been very sporty or athletic or involved in anything really uh, as a kid. Um, it was only kind of in my college years I got into sport, you know. Um, I suppose one thing is that I suppose my parents, when they raised us, 
they kind of raised us as confident and independent kids. And I have a brother. They would never have like, uh, to my disgust, never differentiated between us. I had to do, we, we grew up on a farm. So I had to like milk cows and clear fields of stones. And like they had us like cheap farm labor, you know, or free farm labor, should I say. But we had a lot of like, we had a lot of jobs to do like uh, and as much as I probably complained about it at the time I think it probably did make me a bit tougher in life and more this was able to look after myself as well like they they from a young age gave us you know responsibilities like we like you're responsible for this part of the farm you're responsible for cooking dinner that day of the week you know that was quite early on and I was always I suppose quite independent and um as soon as I could leave home I did because there was way too many jobs at home so I wanted to kind of lead my own life um I suppose they've never like kind of influenced or tried to change my decisions you know whatever I wanted to do in college whatever I wanted to do after college where I wanted to work I did I did everything I suppose myself in terms of picking those things and making them happen um there wasn't much hand-holding and was that probably you know I've I've always kind of gone and done things for myself if I want something and it's it's probably partially because of the way I was just raised um now I'm, I'm unfortunately not as disciplined with my kids who run a riot around the house but um, <laughs> I have good intentions they've been very quiet so far so I mean yeah, they no, I have them warned <laughs> Have you sign on the door saying do not come in? I don't think that would work. <laughs> They'd definitely come in if they seen that something new. <laughs> they think there's something else fun happening behind the door. Yeah. Um, Ellen, if you look back at all of your success to date in sport from your triathlon, your running, ultra running, mountain mm. running, adventure racing, is there one result? And of course, Ultimate Hell Week, is there one result that stands out for you that you would say was the best day or the best result that you could have achieved on a day? I, I don't know. I suppose the most standout like races are probably the first time I've done something. So maybe the first triathlon, like I'll never forget. Um, the first time I did an adventure race, um, I absolutely fell in love with the sport the minute I did it. It was Killarney Adventure Race and it must be eight years ago now. Um, but I remember I was like, where like has this sport been? Like, how did I not know about this? Um they might like they're probably not the ones where I did the best in, but they're probably the most memorable. Uh, in terms of I suppose a sporting maybe like achievements, so winning the triathlon national series, I never thought that was possible. I really didn't think I was anywhere near to being able to win it. I was hoping to get in the top three maybe that year, and um, I, I suppose it just goes to show if you do focus on something, you know, it it, it can work out. Um, but I was like incredibly surprised and, and proud that year that I did actually win the series. Um, so that's probably a big one. Um, this this year or last year now, I suppose, has been great for ultra running. I suppose I've kind of gotten gotten more confident in the ultra running and the the Seven Sisters again would have been one of these events that um, you know I wouldn't have seen myself being able to win. So it was great winning that and and. Kerry Way Ultra as well because it's on home turf as well it kind of always means a bit more when when you win home races so they were they were great um and I'd say you know they they're very memorable races for me now um but yeah I'd say that the national series um 
even though my love now kind of sits more with I think the ultra running mountains and adventure racing like triathlon does have a uh, heart of my heart so I think I'll have to go back and explore a bit there again what makes you sign up to some of these events is it the lure of the mountains the lure of the long distance running the the me time when you're out there for 27 hours or whatever many hours it is that you're out there running and 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 putting yourself through these challenges um I I love races that are different and that bring you to different places and you know where there's where there's more than just I suppose like run your fastest 5k your fastest whatever 20k bike uh you know where there's more thinking as well involved you know you have to be a a, a bit smarter um because you you look at the course profile and and elevations and um like the adventure racing like Laura Driscoll and me would be you know fierce competitors in that and it it totally depends on like what type of what the stages are like uh how steep they are how far the stages are what kind of bike course it is like some of it plays to her strength some to mine so you know the races are like a lot more individual it's like this course really suits me you have it in triathlon as well a bit but it's it's so much more in in adventure racing um and then like the ultra running is just you get to see amazing amazing places especially if you go you know to, to different countries and can do some of the international races like it's just a brilliant way of exploring um a, a country and and probably some of the nicest parts in the world you know um but adventure racing is similar to that as well it's just so interesting and versatile and it's always in lovely locations so you know that that is a big draw of it i think to, that i i actually enjoy you know it's more it's less about the time and more about the experience you know well, I love it. And that's a great answer to finish on. You're nominated for the Outsider Magazine Award, along with Laura and a few others as well. Um, so the very best of luck with that. And thank you. Uh, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. I may see you at the finish line of an Ironman in 2023, maybe 2024. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> There's a few on my list, so we'll see. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can get in touch with any feedback or guest suggestions by emailing me on trytalkingsport at gmail.com. If you would like to hear more great episodes of the podcast, be sure to check them out on our website or wherever you get your podcasts. With lots of episodes of the show now available, there's a massive back catalogue of inspiration and motivation to choose from. You can follow all of our activities and podcasts on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn and Instagram. And if you have any feedback or guest suggestions, please pop me an email on trytalkingsport at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Until next time, thanks for listening. Stay safe, keep smiling and remember, as always, to look for fun and adventure in every day.